Hello and welcome to Intuitive Journey with Desiree. I am Desiree Holmes Sharini, your host. And I just returned from a really long trip, a couple of long trips this June uh, 2019 is what it is. So if you happen to be catching this later, you'll know when it is I'm talking about. And um, I'm recovering from laryngitis and some other stuff I picked up along the way on my actually very nice trip other than that. I went to the Southwest with a couple of other life coach friends and we met up there from different parts of the country and we had a fabulous time exploring and we uh, all, the three of us together, went to a conference that have featured Greg Braden, uh, who I call my intellectual crush because uh, when I found him, he just has shared so much uh, great knowledge that I really appreciate. And I've mentioned him here on my broadcast before. And also uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I have not read as much about, and, um, but he is in the same vein of thinking, and I really enjoyed his presentation as well. So now I have another one to be uh, really excited about. And I will throw in there that I'm also a fan of Dr. Bruce Lipton. And uh, between them and others that are sharing this message uh, about the power that we have within us to manage and change and even affect uh, the world around us, I, I think are really um, spreading some good information. And what I really appreciate about all three of them and uh, also including the HeartMath Institute, who also presented at this conference, is that they're not just saying, oh, go out and throw rose petals and everything's going to be happy. They're explaining the process. They're talking about how it works in your body and how to use it and how to do it and the scientific studies behind it. And that's the big thing that I really appreciate about HeartMath Institute and their work is they're, they're doing experiments and coming up with verifiable results with these processes that they're teaching and talking about that are actually ancient, but we uh, just stopped using. Um, anyway, so what I want to share with you today is a little bit of what I brought back from that conference. A lot of it I had heard before and had practiced, but I don't think I've ever actually combined it here to talk about. So I'm thinking that what I'm going to do are two shorter uh, um, sessions here with you all. The first one is more explanatory, and then uh, my next episode will be talking about how to actually do some of these processes for yourself. And this sort of follows on with the uh, episodes I've been doing covering different processes and methods that I use with clients or that are out there being used uh, for people to find either higher consciousness, more happiness, less anxiety, all sorts of wonderful ways that you can use these to achieve a happier and more fulfilling life and really less worry and concern and more power over your environment and yourself. So that being said, uh, the conference was held in beautiful Sedona, Arizona, and I've had Arizona on my list of places that I wanted to go for like three years. About three years ago, 
Sedona popped in my head and I said, I want to go to Sedona. And uh, we just never got there. And ironically, in the meantime, several people I know went to Sedona and came back. And I was very envious because it was something that had come to my mind and I hadn't gotten there yet. So um, thanks to my um, co-coaching friend, Kim Guillory, that she suggested that we meet and go to this conference together in Sedona. So I got there. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm on. And we had a fabulous time uh, spending time together. Uh, we went to Santa Fe and drove down to Sedona. And it really is beautiful. If you haven't seen it or haven't been there, uh, it, it's famous for vortexes and, and aliens, I guess. I didn't see any aliens. If I did, they were disguised as humans. And, um, and the, they ha even have a map to where, find, where to find these uh, vortexes, which are uh, areas that have more mag uh, electromagnetic power or energy associated with them. And, you know, so I think we went to a couple of these and I didn't notice anything different. Maybe I'm always in my own personal vortex anyway. So it might have evened things out. <laughs> but it was lovely. And the, the landscape there is really quite different. And the town was very pleasant and not big, and the people were wonderful. And I actually stayed away from the tourist part of town. I didn't even find that until I was on my way out of town. I said, oh, look, there's a touristy section. I was at the, I want to say, east end of town, maybe out by the convention center. And uh, it was just peaceful and beautiful, and I enjoyed walking around the beautiful red rocks and area and enjoying the atmosphere. So that being said, we spent four days in the conference, um, a full day with Joe Dispenza, just full of information and great energy. And then a weekend with multiple speakers, including um, Greg Braden, uh, at least I think three times. Uh, and the days were day and night, uh, like there was conference time in the day, we had lunch, then back to conference, we had dinner and back to uh, something. So it was um, packed full of information and presenters. And I'd like to name them all, but there were several and um, they all had some wonderful stuff to share. And I was really grateful to be able to be there. Now, uh, what all of these people had to share, um, you know, I would really recommend they, they travel all over the world. And this was one of the rare occasions to get to see Joe Dispenza and Greg Braden together here in the U.S. because they do travel the world and they're often overseas together and not so much in the U.S. They have their own rotations, I guess, here in the U.S. So it was nice to be able to spend time with both of them. And um, I finally got to meet my, like I said, intellectual crush and shake his hand and, and uh, have a few words with him. So um, happy to meet Greg Braden. I did not get the opportunity to um, meet Joe Dispenza and you know, shake his hand and, and drool and talk about how, like, you know, <laughs> the funny thing is it's like I'm just, you know, in love with their minds, right? So um, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be drooling on other parts. Not that he doesn't deserve it. Okay, this is going the wrong way. <laughs> okay. I mean, he's droolable, right? But um, I just really appreciate uh, their, their thinking and their minds and the intelligence that they share. So that's what I'm trying to say. 
Anyway, um, so what I want to share is some of what they had to share, and I certainly can't do it as eloquently or uh, detailed uh, as they did with as much information. But like I was about to say, I would highly recommend if you ever have an opportunity to go hear uh, either of them speak, take it. And you don't even have to do that. They have several books out. They're on YouTube. They have programs you can buy and download as well. So I am just trying to share some of the same information that they do. And I, you know, I'd like to say we're on the same wavelength and they've got more uh, documentation and scientific backup for what I know is true. I just, uh, not being a scientist, that's why I appreciate them doing the hard work to prove what I often am sharing with people about intuition and about trusting your gut and about going with your heart uh, because that's what they're proving, that it's all true. So that being said, the big thing they shared and talked about was about the intelligence of the heart. So most of us, I'm going to share right here um, you know, what, a lot of what they talked about and also what I've probably talked about before to a degree. Most of us think, we think with our head, that everything's from the head, from the brain. But each of our organs has some uh, neural capability. And the heart has its own thinking neurons, heart neurons. And it also has a field of energy. So when it comes to us believing that our brain is the big boss, our brain does certainly manage a lot of things. It specifically manages our processes, our, our breathing and our heart rate to a degree, right? But it also doesn't necessarily manage the part that is about our gut instinct, our intuition, our emotions, our feelings, our relationships. It doesn't, that's where the thinking brain gets in the way because our thinking brain will rationalize things to death with never really knowing the real feeling. So our brains don't feel, our brains interpret, our hearts feel. Down here, our, our viscera, our guts have emotions and so between the brain and the gut level, we come in here and it becomes uh, interpreted into a feeling. So one of the things that uh, Greg mentioned was that our lower, our gut feeling is either coming from fear or from love, from feeling safe and compassionate and love-filled or from fear which will produce anger and hatred because there's a, a fear of something that's either different or attacking, right? So there's fear or there's love and it's down here, down here. And then up here is the, the, what translates, you know, what is that? It comes up with a word. And then in between we come up with a feeling and the feeling might be uh, compassion, gratitude, um, angst, anxiety, right? So uh, I don't know how well I can explain that. Like I said, go read one of their books and, and they can put it together better for you. But that being said, when you get into your heart, when you can bring your, your, this level and this level into the heart and combine 
all of your elements of you. This is like the meeting place, and this is where you'll find your truth, your answers, your answers that can't be denied, that are innate and intuitive. And the heart has intelligence. And there's so many ways um, that we just don't, we dismiss it or don't believe it or don't even recognize it or people don't even think about your heart having intelligence. Now, just to kind of give you some evidence of the idea of the heart having an intelligence and a memory that stays within it uh, somehow on its own, when someone passes away, their, their heart continues to beat without the brain telling it to for a certain period of time. It continues to beat. When someone takes the heart from a donor and it is transplanted, there are several stories of the recipient all of a sudden having feelings, memories, thoughts, cravings that are not their own, that have no association with their past. And uh, there was a doctor, I've made a note of it, Paul Pearsall. He wrote a book called The Heart's Code, where he com compiled stories of uh, heart recipients having these experiences. And in that book, there is one particular story that made the news of a little girl around eight years old who had received the heart of a 10-year-old donor who had been murdered. But um, she started having nightmares about uh, the, the experience that the other little girl had had. And she was able to remember them vividly enough through the nightmares that came with the heart, the memory that came with the heart, to describe enough detail that they found and caught the man who had murdered the donor. And so, you know, evidence like that of this uh, uh, memory and intelligence that's carried within the heart organ is pretty fascinating. And how that is explained is by the uh, idea of entanglement that when something's been combined next to each other together, that it always maintains some piece of that, that they are never separate. And for a much bigger picture of that is, and I have talked about this before, I'm one of my, uh, about talking about intuition and psychic abilities, is that we are all as a whole combined and one. And many cultures, many religions will refer to that idea that of course, it, at one point, we were all one little speck. Then we spread out. But in the, we are connected by the field that is still part of all of us. And it's hard for us to picture that because we focus on the material world and we think of things as being solid and that this space around me has nothing in it. But it's part of the field. It's part of us. It's just not visible. And, and again, um, I am repeating myself on that part. If you've listened to my previous episodes, I talk about that a lot, that just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. So the, the heart and entanglement with the previous um, donor carried over to the recipient in many cases. And I'm sure there are many cases where no one reports anything just because all of a sudden they 
kind of like a food that they didn't used to like or dislike something they used to like or have different tastes or like different colors that they might not really uh, take note of. But it would be interesting uh, to any listeners out there if they know of any um, donors and recipients and they've had a change um, since receiving a different organ, if they've had some sort of change in uh, their life or tastes or thoughts and uh, that sort of thing. If you know, I'd be interested. You can uh, find me on uh, Facebook. You know, you can respond to me on email, which you'll find through here someplace. Anyway, you'll, you know where to find me. Um, so I'm looking at my notes because I tried to, I want to try to go in some sort of order today. So the heart has the neurons and, and our brain and our heart and our whole body, we are electric, right? We run on electric and uh, electromagnetic fields come from us. And you've probably seen one of those diagrams that has like the, I think it's called a torus field that goes around certain areas and how big or small it can get. And that's also an example of when someone does an aura reading uh, that this field goes out beyond us. Or when someone says they can see your aura, that they see this uh, resonating uh, energy that comes off of you. So in talking about the power and the strength that the heart has, our heart is 10 times, I mean, 100 times stronger and bigger in the field of electrical field that comes out beyond us electrically than our brain. And it's 5,000 times stronger and bigger with the electromagnetic field that comes out beyond us. So your the field of your mind or your brain is out to here and your heart's way out there. And so that would also help explain why it's so prevalent maybe to feel somebody, to feel someone's energy, like they say, when you walk in a room, if it's that powerful and to think that the higher your emotion, it may even, you know, spread more or spread less depending on what sort of emotion is going on and it spreads. And then people pick that up and it can transfer between people. And it is one of the explanations for uh, say um, mob mentality, they talk about it mentality, but it's a, a energy of feeling uh, that is going out that people can pick up on and behave in ways they wouldn't, but they're with the mob, right? They're, they're doing, it's not themselves. They're picking up this other energy and it's all being combined. Um, one example of this shared resonance from the heart felt area was after nine 11 Within about 15 minutes after 9-11, when the news had spread around the world, there was a spike in the electromagnetic readings all around the world on these monitors that uh, measure this. And it, you know, it, it was significant enough to show that that particular time, that particular day, it had a spike from uh, the coincidence, the synchronicity of that event that happened and so many people were responding and having an emotional response to it at that time. Um, so now that we understand 
the idea of the brain having a certain field of energy that comes out from it energetically from our electrical and electromagnetic beings and the heart being that much bigger. I want to talk about how that can spread and move on and be combined. Like I talked about the mob mentality or, um, you know, that, that sort of walk into a room feeling. Well, there, like I said, there, this area is not empty. And then between me and the building over there or between one room and the next, uh, even across the world that with this entanglement that this energy can travel without need for time and space. And we are so in our time and space world here in our material world that again, it's difficult maybe for you to comprehend or, or picture it, but imagine picture that I, as you look at me, and as you look at your computer or your phone or whatever you're watching this in or whatever you're hearing me on already, that's a little easier because I am just sound waves when you're hearing me. And when you look at me, I am just uh, electrical impulses being sent through the airwaves. I'm not really sitting there, right? So that might even help you get that leap toward understanding that everything is energy. And in our material world, our experience of, of that energy is dense and matter-like, and yet we, that hurts if we run into it because we're also in that physical state. But if you could picture everything moving and wiggling and connected and bouncing around, that here in the air, most people will admit that there are air molecules and they're bouncing off each other unseen, but our molecules, you know, our energetic Molecules can bounce out and interact with that, that we can energetically interact with the molecules and the energy around us. So instead of thinking it as a solid little thing, it's a wave of energy that can flow in and out between us and out into the world around us. And this field, we've all heard of the matrix, right? And um, the word matrix, the term matrix, to talk about the field of energy that is all around us and between everything that has no you know definition other than it fills the empty space, which is not empty, was uh, coined by Max Planck back in 1944. So it's not just some movie that was made. It's not just some made-up word. It, it it was you know brought up by a scientist, quantum physicist, who created that word to explain that there's a, a sort of like an invisible mesh-like. Uh, grid and matrix that combines and ties us all together. And once again, there's entanglement with that. So in that matrix, we can share and receive energetic information. And what I'm going to leave till next time is how we can use that energetic information to send out healing, to heal ourselves, to manage our own inner world through our heart and heart rate variability. Uh, and so since that's a bit of a longer thing that will tie healing and personal wellness and energy uh, managing and manifesting, Together, I'm going to leave that for the next episode. And at this point, 
I just want to introduce the power of the heart, the intelligence of the heart, the field of the heart, and the field around us and how they can actually interact, do interact, and how you can start to think about it that way and then take some personal power and use it for yourself. So I'll see you next time when I explain how to use your heart to get more in touch with yourself and your own intuition and wellness. Thanks for being here, and I'll see you next time. Bye.